0: are i'm just still sharing if some of you want to share over the next couple of minutes here while i get this together um which will be great um let's just check something yeah so this is the first time i've done it uh without corey because corey's away right now And so we're just trying to, uh, we're going to run a little different, but um, I'm just making sure it's up and live. And for some reason, I don't see it here. So I need to, uh, if anybody's on, if they could let me know uh, in the comments, that would be great. Just to know um, that everything's on, whether I get to share it or not. One moment. Hmm. Not apparently. Apparently, we don't see it yet, so we might have to cancel and restart this. Hey. Oh, good. Thank you. All right. Well, I'm not sure why it's not coming up here on mine. Which is really strange. But it will be on YouTube. Anyways. All right. So We're just doing something a little different tonight, Corey's away, like I said, and um, I'm going to do this. So I'd like to welcome everybody. It's Friday night and uh, just let you know that it's normally it's on uh, Facebook Live, YouTube, and then we run on Podomatic and uh, Spotify, uh, Amazon Music, iTunes and other uh, platforms as well. So it's on many different platforms for you to be able to see it or listen to it after the fact, which is really good because we get lots of people coming on after the fact. Um, The other thing I wanted to say was um, that... If you want to be a part of this and want to donate towards the ministry, it's at www.hcm-strafford.org. It's a, the banner's up right now. I won't keep it up there, but just to let you know, um, if you go to the website, there is a donation button there, and you're able to donate. And if you're within Canada, you'll get a tax receipt. So, so we're like I said, we're going to do things a little bit different tonight on the in the respect that um we will be uh, teaching but not having uh not having the usual uh discussion back and forth like corey and i are always talking back and forth which works really well um but uh the lord still gave me a word and I felt to share it tonight. So why don't we just jump into this, and then as we go, um, I'll break some of that down, and I'll keep glancing at the comments. If anybody has a question, then I'll be able to uh, refer to that as well as we go through this. So in Proverbs 23.7, it says, For as a man thinks within himself, so he is. And also another spot, it says, Out of the heart flow the issues of life. This means that the way you believe and perceive in your heart or your subconscious mind, it dictates your life and is created by you. It seems like that seems kind of strange maybe to some of you, but if you think about it, we are created in the image of God. He's a creator, he's our father, therefore we are like him. And we're in this environment where um, it's controlled environment, but yet we're here to learn some things. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that as I go. But it really has to do with the fact that if you believe something in your subconscious, then what's going to happen is you're going to uh, reflect all those things. It'll come into your life. And uh, the way out of this, obviously, is to believe what Jesus says about you, is that his word is a better word. His DNA Is better DNA than our generational DNA which came from the fall. So Jesus is giving us a new word, a living word, to transform our hearts and to make us free. It's for freedom Christ that is free. Free is here, freedoms here, it's a journey into that place called freedom that he wants to bring us in. So it's up to us to begin to believe him. And even though you might believe in your mind, you know how sometimes you'd say, but I forgave that person, but inside you still feel the same way. It's because the subconscious mind is the part that is where you really believe. It's like you know. In your mind, you might go, in your surface mind, I call it, you might believe a certain thing, but you react differently out of the subconscious mind. And so it's the subconscious mind that needs to change. And... um I love, I'm trying to think of who it was that said this, but he said, when it becomes habitual, when I do things without thinking about it, you know that I now believe in my subconscious because it's just a natural flow now. And that's we've seen a lot of fruit in that in our Christianity as we've walked through these things, but I don't think we've really understood the impact of what's really going on around us. We need to look at the fact, for instance, that did... Do we believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead to remove our sin, what's called error or separation by rabbinic understanding, and that he restored us into himself and us being one in Christ? So if we believe that, then we need to change what our focus is. Jesus came to save the soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions and your emotions are energy in motion it causes things you know that when you walk into a room and somebody is um, brings the whole room down that's like an emotional flow that's in the room there's energy in it or joy can be the same way somebody's uh, full of joy something beautiful has just happened in their lives and they begin to share it or they're or just walking in the room you can feel the energy of that joy that's coming from that person and so there's a purpose behind why he came to do what he did to save the soul our choice and the fruit of our belief is what we proclaim and therefore that's what we manifest it becomes the thing that's manifesting around us so let's look at this for a second <clears throat> there's sin conscious and Christ conscious now most of my walk it, it around me has been taught sin conscious. Now that's more than just being conscious of my failures, or what we would call the fruit, which is sin, the, our understanding of sin. But it's a consciousness of separation from God, which is the original fall. It's the original sin, is believing we're separate from God. You can't be separate from God and exist. Remember, all things were created in Christ, through Christ, and by Christ, and for Christ. So where are we? We're in Christ. David said, where shall I go? If I go to the deepest ocean or, or, or death itself, you are there. Because everything is within God. So that means that I need to be Christ-conscious, When I um, get saved, I need to become Christ conscious, not sin conscious. Otherwise, it's like I don't even believe that he died on the cross for me. We just believe God came and did all these things in order just to give me a second chance. And that's not even biblical. Now in Genesis, it talks about water above and below the firmament. And what it's talking about is conscious awareness. Consciousness above, consciousness below the firmament. And it's, it's conscious awareness. The conscious above is the, is the heavenly realm, or Christ conscious. The consciousness below is where we dwell in man's mind, in our own understanding, in our place of separation. So, in the Word, we always see things like spirit and flesh. Flesh means carnal, it's not your body, it's carnality. Or heavenly and earthly, or above and beneath. This is all language to reveal the way to the Spirit, the truth in the Spirit. It's, it's all showing the same thing. Heaven's above, earth beneath. Spirit's above, carnal's below. It's the same, it's just language to understand a truth, or to become Christ conscious, or live out of a heavenly realm. For instance, we pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So to bring the heavenly realm into the carnal realm, to transfigure it, to redeem it, to restore it, is what God's wanting to do. Now this morning I had kind of a crazy experience. As I got up it was still dark out so say six o'clock 536 o'clock and when I walked down the stairs uh, to go to the bathroom I was um, in two realms so it was like I was phasing in and out of the spirit realm phasing in and out of the spirit realm and, and it was completely a different world God was showing me how different it is from this one, because in that one, it's about being consciously aware of Him, and He is love. And what He wants to do is bring us into the truth. The other realm, we're in a place of always trying to judge everything, and it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's where we're always trying to make sense of things. Where God isn't, he's all-knowing. He knows the end from the beginning. He's all-knowing. So to come into that place of rest, to live from in heaven on earth, is what he's calling us to do. Remember I spoke last week that the concept of the gods in the heaven way up there and us down here is a, a Greek and Roman paganism has nothing to do with God or the kingdom. The early uh, Christians didn't believe in that. That's something that paganism brought up and Constantine placed into the church to keep us separate. You see how it still keeps us separate from God? That's its purpose, to keep you held, sin conscious, separate from God. But if I believe in Calvary, if I believe in what Jesus Christ did for me, then He redeemed me to live out of Christ-conscious and who I really am, not who I thought I was, from my uh, experiences of the past. So He's dealing with that. So in the last 12 years, Father has downloaded to me a series of manuals to unveil what He calls the Bridge, which takes you from the mountain of man to the mountain of God, or from objectivity to subjectivity. As Paul calls it, that, that it's to be subjective, meaning it's not just talking about bread, him being the bread of life, but to actually eating the bread, which is the body of Christ, to partake, to know, take it in, to experience. That's what it's all about. Subjectivity. It's from the mind of man in carnality to the mind of Christ, which is spirit. The manuals are the bridge, which is an overview of the or preface to the manuals. And the manuals are the door, everything, which is all about the cross, the ladder, seekers, the birth, union in Christ the tree of life and now the everlasting gospel which is still in progress now i'm working on now as he gives me things and that's interesting i'd never even heard that term for the longest time but there's three gospels there's the gospel of salvation then there's the gospel of the kingdom and then there's the everlasting gospel and the everlasting gospel always was is and always will be. It's everlasting. It's always in place. It's the ultimate place where we end up. So the first one gets me to the cross and I get saved. The second one is the renewing of my mind, the kingdom of God. It's in my mind, in the soul realm. And then eventually I'm brought into the everlasting gospel, which is the Father, which is one with me and my spirit and your spirit. It brings us into that union or that marriage, if you will. So, we're bringing pieces of these on the journey that we do on Friday nights, as to bring metanoia, which is to change your mind and cause you to turn and look away from carnality and into the face of Yeshua. It's to cause you to think, cause you to question, cause you to search, to want to know the truth, to want to come into that place again of the The kiss of God, to come into a place of the kiss of God in this place of relationship. It has to be about relationship. It's not about knowing about God. It's about knowing Him and being known by Him. That place of intimacy, like a marriage, that's what He's calling us to. The name Yeshua in Hebrew is a verbal uh, derivative from to rescue, or to deliver. Among the Jews of the Second Temple period, the Biblical Aramaic Hebrew name Yeshua was common. Now, I found it interesting that the Second Temple, or the reference to that, is the holy place, which is a, a shadow in the Old Testament of the soul, the mind, will, and emotions. Isn't God amazing? During that time is when uh, this name was so uh, uh, commonly used, Yeshua. It's like God knows what He's doing. He puts all the parts in place for us to search a matter out to understand what He's doing. First Corinthians fifteen forty-five in the uh, Tree of Life version says: "So also is written: The first man, Adam, became a living soul; but the last Adam became a life-giving spirit." He's a life-giving spirit. His life, it says, is the light of all men. So his very life brings light, revelation, from heaven, the living word, to carry us back to the Father. That's why he came. As a light, as a ladder, Jacob's ladder, to bring us back into that place of relationship with him. Our souls need to be awakened from death to spirit, which is life. Life is in the spirit. He's a life-giving spirit. This is what he came to do. So before we jump any further, anyone have any questions? So it looks good. Um, Can anybody tell me, is it running on Facebook Live? Are you seeing it on Facebook? Because it didn't look like it hooked up and I'm carrying on. Because it's on YouTube. I know that. I guess some of you are on Facebook, aren't you? Uh, Okay, beautiful. Thank you so much. All right. I hope this is helping. Beautiful. I hope this is helping, because um, it's been a journey for me. It's been a real journey for me. Um, Started in, well, after the the incident in Costa Rica, uh, where I got a broken neck and then healed. Um, It started when I came back from there started really rolling in 2005 and then 2006 when I had the visitation, and he completely was flipping the table on me and beginning to get me to follow him. And as he did, then and now we look at that, that's like 16 years ago. And in 2010 and 11 is when he started uh, downloading the manuals, and so now we're looking at 12 years ago, and they started coming um fast. In the beginning, he gave me some time to understand things aren't the way I perceive them and that he was going to unpack it for me. And that's what began to happen. And if you remember last week, I talked about the three maggots in my hair and how he, the dream it freaked me out. And when I woke up, he said, that's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit going to eat your carnality, remove the flesh of your mind, and bring you into the truth. And that's what he started doing. That goes back in the 90s. Um, but I didn't understand it at first, and then I thought, "Well, wow, that's crazy, and I kind of believed that, but didn't know what that meant until years later when the, he started to really challenge the way I perceive things. So let's have a quick look here. i glance every few moments in case. All right, great. So there are four levels of Jewish interpretation of the Scripture. There's probably many more, but this is what he showed me and I researched. And what it, what it looks like is, there's a higher level of seeing a mystery hidden or couched in the lower or carnal. The, this mystery of Christ has been hidden by religion, but the Lord is now bringing light and calling His children out to see. To come to see so the four levels without getting into long explanation with them right now is fazat fesat in Hebrew which means simple or literal principle the simple or the literal principle which is what most of us have been taught and held tight to but then there's the Ramaz in Hebrew which means hinting at a deeper truth it's like you're reading it and there's something deeper here you go wow there's something here I never seen before. What is that all about? And you start to look into it. It's the, the Holy Spirit hinting at you, tapping you on the shoulder and saying, there's something more here to be seen. And then he takes you to one called the drash, which means search or allegorical. Now you remember it's the glory of God to conceal or hide a matter, but it's the glory of Kings to search a matter out. So now we're to search things out and it's allegorical and some people get a little bit antsy about that but they they need they need to think about it you dream every night that's allegorical it's language it's the language of god he's speaking to you and it's your mind can't get it it's only revealed by the spirit and he tells you that the scripture is spiritually discerned so it's hidden jesus spoke in parables all aramaic and uh, understanding, they all spoke in pictures. They were stories that didn't mean what they were saying. They had deeper meanings to them. And again, we've unpacked some of this before. We're going to touch on a couple again tonight. As we look at, over time, over the book of Revelations, which is allegorical about the unveiling of Christ in you. It starts out with, with starting to see, and then it ends in a marriage, which is talking about union like Paul the Apostle spoke about. It's union, you and the Father becoming one in union. Jesus said, I am in the Father, the Father is in me, we're one. That's union, that's marriage. Paul said there's this great mystery as he's discussing marriage. He's not really talking about marriage, but he, go, he talks about marriage and he goes, this is really a great mystery. It's talking about the bride and Christ. And so there's something powerful there. And then there's sod in Hebrew, which means hidden or mystery. And I thought this morning as I was walking, uh, phasing in and out of the spirit um, in the heavens, I realized something that the mystery and the hidden things are to my carnal mind. They're not to spirit because you will know when you step into that place because you're in the mind of Christ. So it's mystery and hidden to me. That's why I need to search a matter out. That's why I need to pursue the Father for truth because truth opens up my eyes to see him, which is our desire. It's our heart desire to be intimately acquainted with Abba Daddy, to know him and Jesus Christ whom he sent. So there's this mystery or hidden things that are there for us to be brought into. So remember, four levels of understanding the Scriptures as God unpacks them. So there's this, I'll give you an Aramaic saying for instance, if they're trying to go on, it says if you're trying to go on without the light of God, it means, they say it this way, you put out your own candle. You put out your own candle. Now think about it in Revelations now. The seven candlesticks, the candlesticks inside the, the, in Hebrews, the tent of meeting. All these things are pictures for you to understand the truth. They say, to say it like this is the way the Middle Easterners speak. People hang on to their errors, and this causes suffering in their lives. The wrath of God is that God won't stop the process. Jeremiah 7.19 and Proverbs 5.22 He doesn't stop the process. And if you look at the whole human race, you can see it right there. They put out their candlestick. And now they're wandering. And he's allowing it till we come to the place, like the prodigal son, where we come back home and he awakens us to how loving and incredible he, and he's always been waiting for us. It's pictures again of coming back in a full awareness of who he is. A young man asked Reese Howell, an intercessor. Many of you might know who Reese Howell is, the intercessor. He said, they, The young man said to Reese, How do you know God's voice? That's a good question because we have many ministries traveling today telling you you can hear the voice of God. He says, How do you know God's voice? And he said, Can't you tell your mother's voice from any other? Of course, said the young man. Well, I know his voice just like that. Like my mom. That's the place of intimacy. The place where he brings us into this place. Just think of it for a moment. To know God's voice is to know your mother and your father. It's who he is. He's neither male nor female. He's both. He's all those attributes. He comforts the Holy Spirit. He's a comforter. He encourages. When I came into that open vision, the only language I could find was a child at its mother's breast, totally comforted, and yet um, totally uh, with no control. Weak. That was a picture of God, the Father when I was standing before him. I had no language for my experience in this liquid love, in this place. But yet, it was speaking. The best way I could say it was that he's so close to us. And what mother doesn't love her child and would do anything for it? This is who your dad is. He's not the angry sky god. that paganism gave us. (laughs) He's our father. He's your mother. He loves you. He loves you. He's one in you right now. That's why we got to remove sin separation consciousness and access the waters above. Christ conscious. To be consciously aware. Of being one in God. Make them one, Father, even as we are one. Now, was he speaking about the fact that we weren't? No, he was speaking about the fact that we don't know. And in our minds, remember, he came to save the soul. In our minds, we're separate, always trying to do something, when in fact it's already been done. It's about believing. One new man, A spirit man. Christ. He's the collective in union as one. The multi-membered body. The multi-membered body as one is who he is. It's us. He's the head of the body. He's using language. We're all that united as one. Ephesians 2, 15, in the Book of Jubilee says, it's the Jubilee translation, abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which was the law of commandments in the order of rights, to edify in himself the two in one new man, the corporate body, see, making peace, it says, to make peace, and there he's speaking Jew and Gentile. Ephesians two six, And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Messiah Yeshua. So where are we seated right now? Where are you? Where's your spirit? Your mind, your soul is not aware because remember... It's blanketed in mystery and a veil, and God wants to wake us up, thus the bridge from the mind of man to the mind of Christ. We are seated with him, so we're actually in multiple places. We're here right now in this realm, slowed down spirit, I call it. We're slowed down, and we're in the realm of the the heavens or spirit right now. So think about that for a moment. We're seated in heavenly places. We always quote this. Mm -hmm. We're always quote this like, um, but never really understood and knew what it meant. I am seated in heavenly places and notice it's places. That's not one. It's more than one in different states within Christ Himself. Where He is, I am also, it says. But see, we're not accessing this stuff because we've been grounded out in the natural world, in the carnal world, and then religions kept us captive as sinners, sin conscious, separated, waiting to go into the sky somewhere and meet an angry god with a judgment seat where god himself is spirit he can, he's not sitting on a chair that's middle eastern language aramaic language for he has all authority that's what that means he's not sitting on a chair how can god who's omnipresent in the universe that's the whole universe is within him it's like how do we get him down into a chair it's language just language to tell us something once we start to see this I always say once you see you can't unsee you start to see things things will start popping out of the scripture for you so now I'm gonna stretch you a little bit okay Revelation 14 6 in the New King James it says I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven having what the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. And remember that the revelation is a process you're going through. It's an unveiling of Jesus Christ in you. So, we see this being called an angel, and remember, remember in some Aramaic, places it's an angel is called the thought of God. So here we have this being an angel, but he's in the midst of heaven, so it's moving in the spirit realm. Where you see it? In a spirit realm. He has the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell in carnality. Every tribe tongue, people, and nation. I believe this is a picture of us as the one new man in the Spirit. Your Spirit's there. I'll go into some more scriptures in a minute to show this. Speaking to us who are veiled in the carnal world, living out the contradictions to understand, for instance, unconditional love in a world with conditional love, to then come into perfect love, ultimately to live in perfect love. And so um, I've heard uh, Brian Christian talk about this a lot, about contradictions, and it's like, well, you wouldn't know what um, white is until you put it on black, and now you see the contrast, the contradiction. You wouldn't know what, if if we knew God uh, lived in love, but we didn't really know what unconditional love is. We've, put our, we've been put into a place where there's conditions. And so now we're learning what is unconditional love. Do you see that? Then it says, I saw another uh, extremely powerful angel coming out of heaven, robed in a cloud. This is beautiful. It's robed in a cloud now what is a cloud it tells us in the book of Hebrews I believe in chapter 12 about the cloud of witnesses so this powerful angel is the cloud of witnesses he's robed in all the cloud of witnesses of which we are our spirits are one in this realm He's coming out of heaven, robed in a cloud. Now, I thought find this really interesting. Look at Jesus. Where did he enter when he left? He entered the cloud, which is the people, which it says he will return within the cloud the same way he left. That means in us, and he will manifest heaven on earth. That's what this is all about. That's why the manuals. That's why we're going through these things, because the Lord has a plan. He's not gonna come for us until he comes through us. He's God, remember? Came in the flesh, in the outer court, in the physical carnal world. But he entered back in, it says, to the temple. Who are we? We're the temple. He entered into the Holy of Holies. Where's that? It's your spirit. It's one in spirit. All of us, one spirit in the spirit of the Lord, it says. So we entered back within us. We tend to see everything from a three dimensional, um, logical, simple, literal, principle place. And so heaven to us is been this Greek thing where it's just a cleaned up earth, gold streets, nicer. But the thing is, God can create anything he wants. The book's about us. We're his, his great position, a, a possession. It says we're the apple of his eye. It's us. It's always been about us. We're going to go anywhere we want. The streets, gold refined in the fire. That's your faith. Walking by pure faith. We're the city of God, it says, the habitation of the Lord. It's amazing when you start to see this. He entered back into the into the cloud, and he will manifest in us the cloud as we come into that place of the marriage, the union. Revelation 10 verse two. He held a little open scroll in his hand. He set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. The sea, remember, is water or Christ conscious. The sea of, of, of the consciousness of Christ is to be able to see, spiritually see, and, he, and to manifest it where? In the carnal or earth. Earth, these. Carnality. Carnality. That's what he wants to do. Manifest it into the earth. That's his plan. Revelation ten seven, 7, Tree of Life Version. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he's about to trumpet, the mystery of God is completed just as he declared to his servants, the prophets." Now remember, the whole city is built upon the apostles and the prophets. They're the foundation, is what he's talking. But he also says about this uh, seventh angel and the trumpet. And he says, the mystery of God is completed. So for the mystery of God to be completed in us, to understand it, right is to be at the top of the ladder to see him face to face it says that we see through a mirror dimly now but then face to face we will know as we've been known that's fully awake seeing him that's the process seven always means completion and when you start to look in the scripture you'll start to see sevens everywhere seven trumpets Seven candlestands, seven days of the week, it's all there. He's telling us something. For instance, in Hebrews, it says, chapter 4, verse 3 For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise, and we experience the realm of confident rest. For he has said, I was grieved with him and made a solemn oath. They will never enter into the calming rest of my spirit. Remember, because of unbelief. God's works have been completed. All been completed, it says, from the foundation of the world. Now I want you to think for a moment. Is God working anymore? We're trying to get him to work. Lord, come and do this. Lord, no, he's already done. It's all finished from the foundation of the world. On the seventh day, he rested. It was all over. The whole thing. When he said it was good, he was looking at the death and resurrection of Jesus. He was looking at the fulfillment of the restoration of all things in the human race. He was looking at the whole thing, as, as it says, uh, that we're like a baby in, uh, uh, that in the womb, and that eventually it'll come to birth. He's looking at the whole process. It says he knows the end from the beginning why because he knows it's all done for him it's all finished Hebrews 4 4 for somewhere he said thus about the seventh day Elohim rested on the seventh day from all his works so the intent of the father was completed on the seventh day And now we are to believe and enter the finished work that was finished before it began here in a slowed down echo of what already has taken place at the speed of thought. God moves at the speed of thought when he thinks something it's already finished. It says he's all knowing. Well then, he already knows when he says it. He doesn't think it, hope it, he knows it. So it's all finished at the speed of thought. We're slowed down spirit. That's why, and I love that's a term that Brian uses, the echo. It took me a long time to lay hold of that because for the longest time I was like, what the heck are you talking about, man? But I get it. It's an echo, like, um. We see lightning, and then a while later we hear the thunder, which was the sound the lightning made. It's echoing, or you're standing on top of a canyon and you holler out, and then you're not saying anything, but you're hearing the echo come back to you because it's slowed down. So we are in a slowed down state. Um, I think it was Einstein that that said that, that, There was no such thing as matter. Matter was slowed down spirit. I read another spot that our blood is congealed light, slowed down light. We are light beings, beings of love. You wouldn't know it if you looked on the uh, news, would you? That's why we're still in a process. If I could peer into a womb at two and a half months, I wouldn't see the end result yet it would look a little chaotic probably to me. You see how this is all unfolding is God in control. The one thing I always knew from the open vision I had and uh, I call it a vision but it really I was there. So I don't even know how I can use the word vision. I was there. I was like in two places at once standing in my bathroom with the walls gone and I'm in heaven and I'm talking to the Lord. And I knew he was 100% in control. 100%. So we're running around trying to do things because we don't believe that. We don't know that. If Jesus is the king, then isn't he an all, he told us he has all authority. Therefore, he's the king right now. It's not going to be a king. He is the king. He's allowing the process to work it through and it is brutal. But maybe it's the way we perceive it from this side. I don't know. I just know that love wins. God wins. It is good, Father said. And it was finished. So the idea is for me to come and you to come into an alignment, into an agreement with what He says and what He's done. Therefore, we can walk it out. The good works prepared before the foundation for you to walk in. They were already done. We just step into them. It's not, I didn't all of a sudden become smart and write these manuals. He just started downloading them because he planned it. I was the one that was probably the the weak link in it saying, God, I, I don't write manuals. I don't write anything. He didn't listen because he's writing them. I'm just downloading them. That's all I'm doing. He's the author and the finisher. Author is like an author of a book. It means the one with full authority of that book. And this is the book of life that you're in right now. Again, that's Aramaic teaching. There's no book. I'm going to look down see if your name's in there. You're in the book of life right now. What they meant in Aramaic terms in that was that if your name was written in the book, it was a, a picture or a saying to say that the teachings that you're saying will be remembered forever. And if he wrote in the sand your name, it meant that you would be forgotten. Now, when he did that, the Pharisees were standing around them. And let's just think, do you know any Pharisees of that time and their teachings right now? I can't think of any. The most we got is Nicodemus, and it was only Jesus talking to him. But then we got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, James. These names we know thousands of years later. David, his name is in the Book of Life. We know David's Psalms. We read these thousands of years later. It's Aramaic picture language. We take the literal and create this story not unlike they did in Rome, threatening people with um, going to hell and therefore getting their money to build cathedrals and to control the masses. It's all, that's why we need to search a matter out because I wanna be free and truth is what sets me free, right? You'll know the truth and truth will make you free, but I have to walk into the freedom I can't keep walking in the constructs and the created things around me that imprison me. So we need to um, stop trying to get God to do something, He already did, and believe as a son of God, not as an orphan beggar that's still blind in an illusion of carnality. It's just within the mind of man. It's an illusion. But God, if He finished His work, it's a Son that can walk with Him and do what the Father is doing. That's why Jesus said um, in uh, the book of Isaiah that He does not, Isaiah 11, I believe, that He does not judge by what His eyes see or His ears hear. That's appearances. That's looking at things, like on the Internet, on Facebook. We got so much stuff on there, it's ridiculous. We've got groups of people following this, groups of people following that. Jesus said, I don't even look at that stuff, man. That's appearances, that's appearances. I don't judge by those things, because how can I know? He says, I only, in, the, in, in uh, Isaiah, it says that it's righteous judgment, which is right standing in the Father, which means later in the New Testament, he says, I only do what I see and hear the Father doing. Why? Because the Father knows. He knows exactly. He knows what I'm gonna say before it comes out of my mouth. That's crazy. So why am I wondering and wandering? Instead, I need to draw close into Him. There are three keys to going deeper into Christ. Three keys that will take you and begin to unlock the door at the top of the ladder to get into Abba, back into Father. Now, remember, we're already there, but we have no clue. So, it's really waking up to what already is. But there's three keys because we don't know that. So, we're still thinking we got to go somewhere. So, there's three keys. One is thankfulness, be thankful in all things. This is the will of the Father. Praise, which isn't about singing a song to Him. It can be, it's not wrong if that's what you think it is. But praise, is to, it's a state of, of the heart, to be in praise of the beauty of things around us, of what He's given me, not what I haven't got, but what I've been given. In a heart filled with praise and thankfulness and love. And the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, love. The greatest is love. Unconditional love. If I want to be like my father, I have to have unconditional love. If I want to um, move to that place, it says, be perfect as your heavenly father's perfect, which is speaking about the finish, the seventh day again, to be like my father who is perfect. It's a state of being. No more delusions or illusions, but living in him. Did you ever wonder, this is just for free, did you ever wonder why Moses, when he was standing in front of the burning bush, and the Father was speaking to him, how it was not consumed? Because consumption is only in time. God's not in time. Therefore, that fire was always in the present. You need time to burn something and consume it. God was not in time. So he's, he's there in the present saying, I am. To live in the present. Today is the day of salvation. One second. Hey, it's good to have everybody on. If anybody has any questions, comments, or disagreement with it, that's fine. As, as um, uh, Justin Abraham always says, you're powerful enough to disagree. That's because we all have to come into this, and we all come from different angles and different journeys, but it's all going to the Father. Today is the day of salvation. Second Corinthians six 2 Corinthians 6.2, he says, In an acceptable time I did hear thee, and in a day of salvation I did help thee. Lo, now is well-accepted time. Lo, now, a day of salvation. Again, because God lives in the present, in the moment. That's really what we need to learn to do, is we miss everything, The contradictions cause you to see who you really are by surfacing what you're not like a mirror. It tells you what you're not. We are love. The the contradictions tell us we're not, and it comes like a mirror to reveal the greater truth within us. Amnesia allows us to live Out the unveiling of truth, and of God as a Father. We are already spirit in the completion of the end, which is at the beginning on the seventh day. We're slowed down spirit, living out in time a future reality that's already happened, outside time. So I thought about this one time, that i had this experience and in the experience i was in two places at once it was kind of strange i was um standing talking to somebody i think it was and at the same time i was standing on this veranda like a huge veranda with a railing and i was leaning on the railing there were other people there and i was in this place of love so i was in heaven in the heavenly realm with other individuals I don't know if it's in the future or in the past, but I was there and, and I was experiencing it in this place of this amazing love for one another. And we're talking and I thought about it later. I meditated upon it and I thought, you know what, if, if before I came here, let's say I lived in this place of this love, and I lived in this place of knowing the creator, but I really didn't know him as a father. What does it mean as a father? What does it mean? Um, If you're in love all the time, then do I really know what that really means? I mean, it's fantastic, but there's no contradiction. So here we are now living this thing out. Contradictions. So we have a backdrop to the truth. And then the truth brings us into freedom. So now, when I come into the fullness with him, whether that's I just win the race and transfigure right here, like Enoch, like Sunder, like others, or whether I perish, I die, and I meet him that way. Either way, I will know that he is love I will know that he's my father because I've experienced it here through the awakening and I will carry that with me now for all eternity forever so there's been benefit to this even though it's been painful even though it's been a struggle these things have brought me greater revelation, greater truth, and greater love in everything. So again, to live with a thankful heart, a heart with praise, I'm not saying it's simple, by no means, but we're gaining. It says, I think it was Paul that said, it's not even worthy to mention to, compared to the glory to be revealed innocent through us so that's what we're walking into now I had a greater understanding I forgot to say this earlier where in this this morning when I was experiencing both realms um, it gave a greater understanding to me of um, if I try to save my life I lose it but if I lose my sake I will find it to die is gain and to live as Christ is to die to carnality is to die to that whole world of constructs and live in Christ in heaven now where I was this morning and so this is what God is doing with us with each one of us is he's waking us up to this amazing thing that we can have hmm you see It's not about dying physically, it's not about being a martyr, it's about dying to this world consciousness, the sin consciousness, the religious spirit that wants to keep us bound to illusions that aren't even biblical, as you begin to look into it. Luke 12, and he told them a parable, this is Jesus saying, the land of a rich man was very productive, and he began reasoning to himself, there he's reasoning in his mind, saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? He's got so many crops coming in, he's not knowing what to do with it, he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I'll store all of my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. This very night your soul's required of you. And now, who will own what you've prepared? Who's going to take it? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. So Jesus is saying this to us. We can look at things through reason and try to find success in this realm, or we can understand there's something far greater to know. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right standing in him, and all these other things will be added unto you. But he's telling us the real treasure is to know God, is to grow up in God, the, the latter. These things are so important that we search a matter out and we walk in the truth. That's what he's giving us. That's the offer to us. And Jesus is saying, this is the real treasure right here. All these other things can come to you. But if that's our focus, then the next thing you know, we die. And where did it all go? It's all gone. He's saying, you're looking the wrong way, man. You need to look the right way. So there's faith, hope, and love. The greatest is love. There's bronze, silver, and gold. There's 30, 60, and a fold What do we want? Do we want a hundredfold? hundredfold is to walk in the Spirit. Thirty-fold is in full carnality, things good things will happen when we're saved, but it's thirty. When we walk fully in the kingdom, there's sixty. But to access the Spirit, Abba, Father, Him who is eternal life, to know the Father, you produce a hundred because He's already done it. You just walk in it. He's already done it. Now, I'll give you an example of something I was in the in a charismatic ministry uh the vineyard at the cutting edge of the vineyard and the vineyard was is amazing i was I was blessed man, but it was like the cutting edge of, of worship music at that time it was we had John wimber and he's doing healings uh, uh, conferences and people are getting healed and there were so many good things going on, and in the midst of that, the Lord had asked me to um, start a street ministry, and to do that, I was entering into more of what I would call, it's a parachurch organization, uh, which will remain nameless, but it's much more fundamental. And so as I'm going into that, I'm thinking to myself, because I was involved in leadership, and I I thought, you know, we're on the cusp of, you know having a great time in the vineyard and the lord sends me into a fundamental organization where young people don't even lift their hands and so i'm thinking to myself did i do something wrong what did i do wrong that you're sending me here i thought i must have did something and i'm sending me you know into a fundamental ministry and it turned out great things, but the story I want to tell you is this. I went to the first regional meeting, and it was held in Guelph, and there were different uh, denominations involved in this organization. Everything from Brethren, Pentecostal, United, Catholic, uh, Baptists, um, Vineyard. Not too many Vineyard. I might have been the only one. Oh, there was two of us, I think. So. We all gathered there, and when I got there, I was reluctant about going because it's not going to be the charismatic fun that I was used to, but I was going because I felt he was calling me to do this. And so I went there, and when I get there, they said, they set up a cross in the main building, and they had altars up all over the grounds, and they said, nobody talks for two hours. You go out and walk around and stop at each altar and ask the Lord if there's something you need to deal with. And then come back here and we'll meet at the foot of the cross and then we'll enter into worship. And I'm thinking, well, this is really strange, but okay. Okay. So I went out, I'm walking around and I'm not feeling much. And then I get to this one where Abraham is going to sacrifice Isaac. And as I walk up to it, the Lord says to me, okay, John, I want you to put the vineyard on the altar. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? This is what you're doing in the earth today, God. I want you to put the vineyard on the altar, John, because it's an idol. You're in idolatry. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I can't believe it. So I put the idol on the altar. I pray to him and ask him to forgive me for idolizing a movement instead of walking with him and I went back to my room to pick up my Bible and the presence of the Father filled my room I can feel it just talking about it man I looked out at the window and there were Baptists coming across the grounds brethren Pentecostals and they were all my brothers I felt no division anymore I wasn't the charismatic, and they were the fundamentalists. There was one bride, one body. It didn't matter where they were at in their understanding. It was Jesus Christ in all. And I felt the union of all these people, and I just was blown away at the presence and the the love of the Father. I was changed that day. So, it's important for us to understand that we can idolize things. Even our thoughts about God can be idols, because we really don't know what's unknown. So we want to follow Yeshua into the Father, into union in the Father, and give God the ability to speak to us about the thing that we're fighting for our rights for, because it just might be an idol in the carnal world. And he wanted to take it down. In Matthew 22, it says, he said to me, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second's like it. It's like it. It's the same. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Again, you see the foundation of it is that my neighbor is anybody on the planet. I'm to love them like I love God with my whole heart. It's called unconditional love. Christ is the all in all. Constructs are like boxes, they control us and they demand us to comply to their set of beliefs. No matter what it is, there's a set of beliefs, and that's the construct or the box that holds me in check. And the problem with that is that God wants to blow the box out. You can't confine God to charismania. You can't confine Him in the church. He's the creator of all things. He wants to reconcile all of humanity, which are His children, back to Himself. But until I can understand this truth, I'm still in boxes. I just create another box, and I jump into that box. You see? And so one time I was uh, in a dream. I was with Jesus. We were standing on a dock, and we were looking out over the sea. And the sea was the sea of humanity. It was pitch black in darkness. And he was like a lighthouse, light going out from him. And he was beginning to explain to me um, what he was doing. And then he began to speak to me about the epistles, about John, the epistles of John. And I woke up, and he's still speaking to me. And he says this to me. He goes, how can you say that you love God whom you haven't seen? And hate your brother whom you've seen. You're a liar. What's unconditional love look like? Do you really think God loves Jews more than the Arabs? Because of what they do? Were they not all children of Abraham? Do we think that God loves? A certain, the white man more than the black man. Or the black man more than the white man. No. God is the creator. He's not Jewish. Remember Paul? He's no longer Jew nor Gentile. It's one new man. See, so he was telling me, John, you must learn to love like me just like back with the vineyard as an idol in my life. I didn't know that it had put me in a place of separation from other denominations, where a kingdom divided can't stand. So is that the kingdom? Christ isn't divided. He took the division, the big log out of my eye that day. And all of a sudden I look at the window and I'm feeling love for these people which before all I could see was young people that wouldn't put their hands in the air to praise God. They were stiff. But now it didn't matter to me. And I stayed in that organization for eight years. And God gave me incredible opportunities in all kinds of denominations to speak about the Father, where they never heard that stuff. I was on a panel once in a Lutheran church um, and when I was finished, like there was four of us on this panel about young people, because I was in street ministry, um, all of a sudden uh, there were people coming up and they were crying in front of me. And they were saying, can, can you know God that way? The way you're talking? Well, it was normal for me. And that was at that time. That's the 90s. I wasn't anywhere into the manuals, or any of these things yet. But there it was just amazing. So, love. And I've said before, he's going to bring us, for me, discernment in the beginning was presence. My presence is me in the present. It doesn't matter who's speaking. If you're not feeling the presence of the quickening, then don't listen. It doesn't really matter. But then he took me a step further, which I'm beginning to learn now. I'm in the learning process now. I'm ki- kindergarten in this. Is that, John, when somebody walks up, this was at the end of that vision when it was, I was with him on the, um, on, the, on the dock by the sea, was you're going to see that when somebody speaks, if they're oozing love, it's me. Their words will be like Honey on their lips. You will know it's me by the love. If it's not there, am I there? God is love. Love is God. It's not an attribute. It's not something he does. It's who he is. He can't help himself. It's who he is. He wants to smash these things that keep us in constructs that aren't true. They're in the imagination of man's mind, carnality, and he wants to take us out of it. It's like wearing a pair of glasses, you know? We can be wear glasses and we're nearsighted, or we put other ones on and we can see at a distance, right? But we miss what's right in front of us. His presence is him in the present. We don't want to miss the now. We want to become aware. And see, that's so important to me is um, to be in the moment. You're talking to somebody? Don't scroll. Let's be in the moment. Let's listen to them. Let's hear them. Let's look into their soul, into their eyes, because the truth is, God is standing in front of you. That person may not know it yet, but when will we get to that place where it says, they'll know you're my disciples, because of your love for one another. That's because we will finally see Christ in one another. We'll recognize that we are one. We, multi-membered body, are Christ. Jesus being the head, because Jesus, Christ isn't his last name. Christ was a state of being he was bringing to show us who we are, to come back into this place. It's amazing, it's amazing. But love, the greatest of these is love, and it's not love like I love you, brother. It's it's experience. Remember, eating the bread, eat my flesh, drink my blood. It's his life. It's 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 literal experience, and I've had it in the liquid love. In standing once when I worked at Kmart when I was twenty two. Um, And all of a sudden the Spirit of the Lord falls on me and I see people standing in this aisle waiting to get their dinner and I'm in love with them like they're my own friend, my own family or children. I can't explain that. That wasn't me. I didn't even know them. But it was the love of God shed abroad in my heart by the Spirit that opened me up to the experience of God loving through me them. It wasn't me. It was him. And He's in each one of us. He's in each one of us. I remember this young girl, I got a few extra moments before I read this last thing. I remember this girl once, um, got saved in the morning at church, was in a psychiatric ward, came to church, got saved, came to my house. There was a bunch of us there, young people. And, uh, which was a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> we were talking about it and, uh, I was telling her my testimony and then she was th- saying, gee, I wish something like that would happen to me. And we started to pray and boom, she went in and like she was out of her body walking with Jesus and all this stuff happened. it was in the days of the end of the Jesus movement. So we were in a, a revival, if you want to call it. And so... She experiences all this stuff, and I'm, I won't get into all that at the moment. But what's um, important for this moment, what I'm talking about, when she comes out of it, we're sitting on the floor, and the glory is so strong. It's like we're, my time of explaining it at that moment was like we were sitting under the throne. It was just like we were whacked, and we we're in another realm. And she's sitting there. Now, remember, she's a couple hours old. She isn't very old in the Lord. And she's about, mm, I think she was 14 or 15, if I remember right. Um, She looked at me and she said, oh, my gosh. She said, I was with Jesus and I was walking with him. And his eyes were so amazing. She says, do you know what's really crazy? He's in you. He's looking at me through your eyes right now. Now, I never forgot this. I didn't understand it at the time. I do now. I understand that there will be a time when that scripture, they will know you're my disciples, will become real. When we'll finally get past the place of our idols, we'll get past the place of separation, we'll get past the place of divisions of everything that goes on in the carnal mind of man and we will see Christ in one another i will look into your eyes and see my lord and my king in you and you will look into mine and you will see your lord and your king the lover your beloved In my eyes looking back at you because we are one we are one multi-membered body now we're using language to try to understand this we can't at this point we're still veiled in this I don't I I can give you the best I can break it down to and the experiences we've had so that we can taste and see of our future reality future for you and me now but he gave her this experience not just for her but for me so that I would begin to meditate over the years about this and go whoa what is this what does this mean as it carries me towards knowing truth how can I hate My brother, whom I can see, and stand there worshiping a God I cannot see, when that God I cannot see is standing in front of me and my brother. This is where we got to go. Jesus took it another level. He said, hey, love your enemies. Do good to those that persecute you why because they are your brothers man they just don't know it they're blind but you've been with them for eternity they're one with you we want to hold a right or do we want to see reconciliation that whatever we've been here for thousands of years Trying to come into the fullness of. We would see that flower finally come up and begin to open up into the sunlight and bloom and see it for what it really is. That's where we want to go. So we'll just take a moment. If anybody had a question or anything, let's have a look. Yes. There is a purpose in the pain. We hate the pain, Shauna, but there is, somehow, in the midst of it, the glory, whew, (laughs) the glory that's going to be revealed. I didn't like getting hit by a 10-foot wave and going into the bottom of the ocean to drown, breaking my neck, and then getting healed, and then still going through all the process afterwards. I didn't like going in for quadruple bypass surgery. I didn't like having COVID and almost dying in the hospital in seven days. But I'm still here. I'm still able to share what God has given me to be a voice like John crying in the wilderness. There's something good here, guys. There's something so good here that's for all of us, all of us. God is no respecter of persons. He loves us. We're all his beloved. We're all his beloved. Mm. All right. Let me read this. I've read this before, but sometimes even in the manuals, I'll re- throw in the odd thing more than once, because I realize that it takes more than once sometimes to hear something specific that will um, eventually hit you. It's again, we're sharing information here, but information shows the heart what it must get from God in Revelation. Again, it must become experience for all of us. We're all on the ladder. We're all in the book of Revelations. All of us, being unveiled of of who Christ is, culminating in a marriage, a union, each one of us individually coming to that place. St. John of the Cross, and not the one I read the other day, I think it was last week, maybe even, or the week before. He was born in... 1542 in Spain, he was a priest, uh, maybe even a monk. I'm not positive. But he came into this realization that we're talking about here. And listen to what he says. Just meditate on this for a moment. Listen to this. In the inner wine cellar, within you, Is the wine cellar. You don't have to look outside. It's right inside you. The wine of God's amazing grace, this bubbling up, scandalous gospel, the everlasting gospel is within you. He goes, I drank of my beloved, and when I went abroad, through all this valley. He means the valley, the carnal world, the religious systems. He goes, I went out through the valley and I no longer knew anything and lost the herd that I was following. Sometimes you got to follow Jesus and let go of the herd. It's tough. I had to do it. But I it, it wasn't that tough. The presence of God, and I was intoxicated most of the time for a few years. So it's like, was it tough? Uh, I wasn't really tough. But it's always painful to lose people that you love dearly. They're your friends. You've walked with them. You've ministered with them for years and ministered to them for years. And all of a sudden, they walk away like you've got leprosy. Because they're afraid. They're afraid. Where's he going? What are you doing? I, I, my wife said to me once, she goes, they didn't really leave you, John. You left them. And I went, oh, my gosh. You're right. All this time, I thought they were leaving. But I guess I was walking on like John. And I, the herd walked away. Because they're comfortable where they are. he lost the herd and when he says I no longer knew anything it means everything that he thought he knew wasn't anything He had to let it go and then he says there in that place he gave me his breast now that's a beautiful word remember me in the liquid love I felt like a baby at its mother's breast Because now I was going to drink of the milk of heaven. God was going to be my teacher. But I had to let go of the constructs and what I thought was truth to find him who is the truth. And so he gathered me up as a little child, John says, and he put me to his breast. There I was in that picture of the liquid love drinking from his life the truth he says there he taught me a sweet and living knowledge it's alive it's the it's the living word it's the truth revelation it's the blood of Jesus Christ the DNA of God coming into you it's that light piercing you I am the light that's what he's talking about and it was sweet and it was alive and I gave myself to him how can you not How can you not give yourself to life itself? Him, Jesus didn't live. He is life. Life itself was born in a manger. Life, that which is in you, was in the manger in a physical form as a man so that he could come and rescue us. I gave myself to him, John says, keeping nothing back. I'm not going to hold on to carnality. I'm not going to hold on to the truths that I thought. I'm willing to follow you. I'm not going to hold anything back. There I promised to be his bride. John's saying, There I promised, Father, I'm going to carry on going up. These, This Jacob's Ladder, the revelation of Jesus Christ, John one fifty one, coming into that place where I will come, like Paul said, into full union with the Father, in the Holy of Holies, one with God. I will be one in Him, and He is one in me. And we are married like a bride and a husband now. You see, that is a picture of an, a greater truth, really than what we could understand. He's promising now, I want to do this, this is it. And then he goes, now I occupy my soul, all my energy in his service. I no longer attend the herd, nor have I any other work, now that my every act is love. That is such a powerful revelation from John, St. John of the Cross, who is a mystic, who the church rejected, giving us a piece of art right there of the journey. Where are you on that journey? Even Toronto, think about it. The wine started getting poured out. They begin to drink of their beloved but you got to let go of the herd. You can't put new wine in an old wineskin, an old teaching, an old revelation. It'll blow the thing apart. And that's what happened to me. I got really drunk and intoxicated, and he just took the wineskin and blew it away and put new wineskin. That's what I'm speaking on the journey, the new wineskin for the new wine, which isn't really new wine, it's ancient wine. It's the everlasting gospel, which always is, always was, and always will be. It's in the Father. It's in unconditional love. It's knowing Him, and when you know Him, you will know yourself. That's what He's doing with us in these days. That's why it's a reformation, a time Of reformation that's upon us, to reform the original structure of Christ, of the New Jerusalem, the City of God, the people of God, to know their Father, to know themselves and who they really are, to walk into the seventh day, the finished work of the Father, which is already done. It's finished. Didn't Jesus say it on the cross? It's finished. It's now up to us to waken to what is the burning bush that's not consumed and to be one with the burning bush. No longer will death and decay have anything to do with the burning bush that's all in time. He's not in time. And when you're fully in union with Him, where are you? You're no longer in time. You're in Him, the Everlasting One. Anybody have a question or anything? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I hope this was beneficial to some of you. I just noticed last week uh, Podomatic itself had like 220, 212 downloads, I think. So that it's jumping up. That makes last week something like 350 that I'm aware of. Um, there's, there's a lot more on other um, podcasts like I never look up iTunes, I never look up uh Amazon. I never look at any of those. I'm just really aware of Spotify, YouTube. I mean, it goes on those formats. But YouTube and uh the Facebook Live which we put up here and that gives me kind of a quick general idea of what's going on, so bless you guys. It's been good. I've enjoyed it. It's a little different without Corey. I miss Corey over there because then we kind of are able to talk back and forth in the midst of it. He'll be back next Friday. Um, But uh, I didn't want to not bring this because I was excited about what God was showing. So I hope it helps everybody come into a greater place of awareness and taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. The Lord is good. He's with you. He's in you. He's not holding back from you. He is more willing to give than we are to receive. We just have to move away all the obstructions in our mind and the things that we've been taught to keep us from accessing our beloved, like St. John of the Cross. That's what we want to do. Until we can barely take the glory, it's so thick. Transfigured like Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration. Amen. Jesus is going to return in the cloud, you and me. The same way he left in the cloud. So get ready. The more we step into this and become aware of this, the more we're ready for what he's going to do. This is the type of revival I'm looking for. I'm not looking for things of the past. I'm not looking backwards to go forwards. I'm looking forward to the fullness of the times, of what he wants to do. In the human race, on the, in the third dimension, To bring heaven to earth and remove carnality, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And let us live once again in Eden, out of the tree of life. Bless you guys. Have a great night.